Today's sermon lesson comes from Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 25. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Our God, we pray that your word would be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And we ask this in the name of your Son, who is the true light of the world. Amen. So, grew up uh, going to church until my older brother and I made it too difficult for anyone to take us there uh, through our fighting and just through our resistance. And so we got to this point. Uh, in life, for me, it was late middle school, early high school, where it just, uh, I no longer wanted it to be a part of my life. And so there was this season of moving in a certain direction, and I remember at that point, somebody made a small, small offhand comment that, looking back, was very influential to me. The small comment was just like, hey, I've heard that the book of Revelation is a cool book to read. And somehow that stuck in my mind of, hey, the Bible can be interesting. And so I went home and I found this old King James version uh, that my grandmother had given me for camp when I went in third grade. So I stumbled across this and I read through the book of Revelation in old King James language and realized that it didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. But I enjoyed reading and I thought, if you want to know what a book is about, what do you do? You start at the beginning, and you read your way through it. And so starting there, about 14, 15-ish, um, just began this daily pattern of just reading through this old Bible, wanting to know what all this is about, wanting to know what God is about. Who is Jesus? What does all this mean? There was something that was compelling me to, to search in this way. And something happened over these next like two, three years as I'm reading it as a picture began to become more clear to me. Uh, the more I read, there wasn't any lightning strikes. It wasn't these big revelations. I just began to see a little bit more clearly this picture of the life that God was calling me to, the life that He had designed us for, for our good. And then the picture of my own life was becoming more clear in high school and what uh, senior year might look like and what college might look like and relationships that, that I was in. And what happened is the more these pictures became clear for me, the, the further they seemed to be apart from one another, the further 
they diverged from one another. There was a path that God was calling me to, and then there was this path that my life was, was taking, and they were going in, in different directions, and that was becoming more clear to me. And it did reach a little bit of a flashpoint. There were a couple things that happened, but it was actually this passage that, that God really used. Um, you, might want to, you might say that this, I had tried to straddle these two paths to hold them together, and they were getting so far apart. And this is where uh, it's almost like the, the ground between them just collapsed. And it moved in such a way that I, I had to choose. It was like a line was drawn in the sand. I think about that phrase, uh, a line drawn in the sand. And it actually goes back to an event in history. I don't know if you know about this, but it was 1836 in General Santa Ana. Uh, he brought his army against the Alamo to take it over. And he sent in one of his soldiers, to give a message to those who were in this small fort. And the message was simply this, uh, you need to surrender and come out or we're going to kill everybody inside of there. And so one of the leaders, a colonel inside there, he took a a sword and he drew a line in the sand. Uh, And he said, if you want to stay here, you are going to die. Uh, but if you want to surrender and live, then go on this side of the line. And so this line served as a, as a dividing point of there was no middle ground. You, you, you had to choose one way or the other to stand and stay or to, to leave. Uh, and thinking about this passage in particular, it was God in, in His gracious way um, drawing a line in the sand and inviting me into something bigger. Um, one path leading towards Him, one path leading away. There was an invitation to uh, surrender to this pursuing love or to continue to resist it uh, in my own way. Over the past few weeks, we've been in a series on the Holy Spirit, looking at all the different ways God's Spirit is at work in our world and in our lives. And up to this point, the focus really has been on God's work through His Spirit, how he is, it is a work of helping, it is a work of bringing new life, of connecting us to Jesus, of praying. The, the accent has been on God's work. And now it shifts a bit to the accent being on the question of how do we respond to this work that God is doing through His Spirit? And that's the question that is before all of us this morning. How do we individually, not the person sitting next to us but or somebody else in our lives, but how are we ourselves responding to this work of the Spirit? And I want to look at this in in three different ways. I want to look at this uh, in terms of following, in terms of fruit, and in terms of faith. So this response to God's work of the Spirit following fruit and faith. So first, following. It's been graduation season, and some of you watched uh, your own kids walk across the stage. And as you walk, as you see your child, this 18-year-old walking across the stage in this momentous occasion, you have to pause and think about what all went into shaping this person to get them to where they are today. They didn't just appear like that. But the person walking across that stage is the product of of countless influences and and voices and nudges and invitations and 
and shaping influences upon them to get them to that point. We are a people who are formed. But what we also realize is walking across that stage, just because you walk across that stage doesn't mean you're a finished product. It's not like now they are kind of like a marble statue that is just staying the same forever. I think about who I was when I was 18, and I'm a very different person. There are some similarities, obviously, but there are also some significant differences. What that means is that everyone in here is in a process of being shaped and formed. So questions to think about. How are you being shaped and formed in your life here and now? Who are you following? What is influencing you? Whose voices are you attentive to? What values give direction to your life? What is a life well lived to you? What forces are influencing the kind of person that you are becoming day after day after day? I want you to consider the call that's coming here from this chapter of this letter to the Galatians. There's there's four specific encouragements packed in here. We are to walk by the Spirit. We are to be led by the Spirit. We are to live by the Spirit. And verse 25, we are to keep in step with the Spirit. Anytime you see things repeated like that in different ways, it means it's important. And so here we see what our lives are meant to be shaped by, or rather who our lives are meant to be shaped by, and whose voice we are meant to be listening to. And there's different angles and images that are used right there, but the message is the same. The Spirit is doing a good and powerful and life-giving work, and our lives are meant to be in sync with that, in harmony with that, aligned with it. I think about one of the classes I took when I was in college was ballroom dancing. And I I remember uh, wanting to learn how to ballroom dance and wanting to do it well. But I remember the teachers uh, and and remembering the way that that they danced. And uh, it was beautiful. It was smooth. It was seamless. It was this perfect harmony so that as they are leading in dancing... It looks like one entity that is just moving in perfect sync. I think about that when I think about what we're called to do. There is a kind of similar oneness and in syncness and responsiveness and harmony that we are called to have with God as He is leading and guiding and pursuing our good. Growth for us, looks like increasing in that harmonious response. That's the kind of following that we are called to have in His Spirit, that responsiveness. The second part I want to highlight is this idea of of fruit, of what kind of fruit our lives are producing when there is this harmony. Going back to that ballroom dancing class, um, they were dancing in perfect harmony, but when they turned the tables on us and invited us with our partners to dance, it was a very different story. So there's a lot of stepping on toes. I'm moving in this direction. My partner's moving in this direction. Um, Rhythm is off. Everything looks off. So it doesn't look like this just smooth oneness harmony. That's a lot like the Christian life. 
even lived by mature believers. There is this disconnect. It it looks kind of like a, a bit of a messy dance. It's meant to be beautiful, but there is a kind of conflict. It looks easy, but it's actually hard in reality. This this difficulty is presented in this passage in terms of conflict. For those who have God's Spirit inside of Him, so this is talking to believers here, to Christians professing faith, there is a tension between what is called the Spirit and the flesh. The Spirit is God's Spirit. You could put a capital S by that. The flesh is everything in human nature that is resistant or opposed to God. So you could put a capital F to that. So these are two forces inside of us that are in conflict with one another. Verse 17 puts it clearly. The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. It says so that you keep from doing what you want to do. What that simply means is when your heart is pulled towards the work of the Spirit, there is another part of you that is tugging, pulling away from that work. When your heart is pulled towards more of what is called the flesh, then the Spirit is at work pulling in that. So our existence as believers is always in tension and in conflict. It makes me think about uh, World War I in particular, last year I was reading uh, All Quiet on, on the Western Front, which um, goes through this group of soldiers living in the midst of World War I, and they were experiencing trench warfare. It's different than a lot of the warfare we see today because of their weapons and technology. There would be this digging of deep trenches along the lines, and your goal was to push your trench further and further along that you might one day have victory. As I think about the the Christian life and what's happening inside of us, when we become Christians, the victory is decisive. There is a decisive break, and God does a powerful work of freeing us, but there is still this battle. The spirit inside of us is doing trench warfare, pushing up against every part of us that is in opposition to Him. Um, It is a loving push. It is a fighting for our good. It is a gracious pursuit, but it is a battle nonetheless. That's the tension that is there that is ongoing and it is a heart kind of battle. This tension is, is put in another way in terms of, of, of fruit, of what kind of fruit are our lives producing. And there are two very different kinds of fruit that are put here. There is what's called the works of the flesh and they're listed out there. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. There are things in there that might not characterize us, but there should be something in there that hits all of us in some way. Because we all experience this struggle inside of us. What, God is, what Paul is saying here is there's no place in God's kingdom for things like this. But what does have a place in God's kingdom? These fruits of the Spirit. What are they? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That, these are characteristics of God's kingdom. 
And Paul says there's no law against these. I'm never going to say, okay, that's being too kind. You're being too joyful. You're being too loving. You're being too patient. That's too much self-control. These are good in abundance. And something that was very encouraging to me personally as I was thinking about these fruits of the Spirit is so often when I hear this list, I, I think exclusively about myself. And I think about how I want to see these fruits at work in me. And many of us are familiar. Um, I mean, we all live in some type of hypocrisy, if we're honest. Um, but we're familiar with, with strong types of hypocrisy where people tell us to live one way, and yet their lives, when we dig a little deeper, don't reflect that at all. And sometimes I think we can do that with God in very subtle ways, where we hear God saying, this is, this is how the kind of people I want you to be. But we miss that this is what God is like himself. God is the perfect embodiment of all of these fruits. And Jesus, his son, is the perfect reflection of that. So that you could say, our God is full of love. He is full of joy. He is full of peace, full of patience, full of kindness, full of goodness, full of faithfulness, full of gentleness, full of self-control. It is who He is at His heart. And so in the life that He's calling us to live, it is a life that is very much in sync with who He is and His light and His goodness and His joy. Um, we could spend so many weeks talking about those different works of the flesh or these different fruits of the Spirit, but in the verses right before, Paul summarizes very beautiful way. He says, you want, to, you want to know a summary of the law and of all these different things? I'll tell you it in one simple phrase. He says, the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's crystallizing all of that to the kind of life that we are called to live. A life in sync with God's heart and God's purposes means a life of love, not only towards God, but towards our neighbor. A love of sacrifice, service, forgiveness, grace, mercy, patience, kindness. That's the kind of fruit we are called to bear in response to the work of the Spirit. And that brings us to just our final comment about this kind of Spirit-responsive life that I want to highlight. And that has to do with... Um, I can't remember the third point. What was it? Faith. That's right. I redid the points this morning because I didn't like them and I still don't really like them. The, <laughs> it's tough to find the headings for these things. Pastor problems. <laughs> Basically, what I was trying to communicate through this is what hope is there for change? Faith was the word that was trying to capture that. There's an old comedy skit uh, with Bob Newhart, where he plays this therapist, and people come in, he charges them $5, basically, for five minutes of, of therapy. They come in, and they share their problems, and his advice is, is always the same. Do you remember anybody this? Stop it. <laughs> so people come in, and they're talking, you know, the, I, and this, and this, and this. He's like, stop it. So one, one woman says, so, so you think I should just stop being scared of being buried alive in a box? And he says, yes, you don't want to go through your whole life being scared of being buried in a box, do you? He says, no. He said, well, stop it. Um, as much as we wish change were just 
that simple. Uh, change is much more complicated. Change is much more process-oriented. It's not easy. It's often challenging and, and painful. Uh, we all want to get to a place where, where we've arrived in life. I remember this going through, our boys are 15 and 11 now, but going through different stages, you know, and, and they grow up and change so quickly. But um, even as, the, as they're babies, you get to this point where it's such an adjustment, but you adjust and you feel like you've gotten to this point where you've kind of mastered it. You're like, I've got this. And then what happens? Things change. And, and it's this adjustment. And you get this point where you're like, okay, I've got, I've got a handle on things and things change. The Christian life is a lot like that. Uh, we're growing and maturing, but there's always a sense of we, we don't arrive. We're always repenting in new ways. We're always growing in love in new ways. God's always seeking deeper crevices in our hearts to bring about change. I love this quote from Martin Luther in the 1500s, a reformer. He said, This life, therefore, is not righteousness, but growth in righteousness, not health, but healing, not being, but becoming, not rest, but exercise. We are not yet what we shall be, but we are growing toward it. The process is not yet finished, but it is going on. This is not the end, but it is the road. All does not yet gleam in glory, but all is being purified. This change happens through the power of God's Spirit as He connects us to Jesus and that work. Caitlin read just a moment ago these words from Jesus in John's Gospel where he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We talked a lot about that, that vine connection two weeks ago, but here it comes back in that our hope for lasting change is not God speaking to us from a distance saying be better, but God coming inside of us and working in us and bearing fruit through us and us responding in harmony to that heart, to that work, to that purpose. We see even here at the end of our passage where it says those who belong to Christ Jesus, those who are His, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It's the work of the Spirit to unite us or to join us to Jesus in His perfect life in His sacrificial death, and in His powerful, life-renewing resurrection. It's not just propositions or ideas that we're called to, to know intellectually, but it is a life colliding with our life and changing us forever. But I want to say this to make it more clear. When we talk about the work of the Spirit, sometimes it can seem so mysterious and so out there, but God in His wisdom... And in His kindness has chosen to bind Himself to particular means. We call them means of grace. Things like the Scriptures, like prayer, like the Lord's Supper, like baptism. Where God says, I, I will attach my spirit to these practices in such a way that I'm going to especially focus on using them to bring you this new kind of life. It could be kind of like picturing a waterfall of grace flowing down. And God's saying, this is where the waterfall is. If you want to experience the riches of this grace, then where do you need to stand? Way over there or underneath this waterfall? 
And God's Spirit can work in all sorts of ways, and He does graciously. But this is, this is the ordinary and normal way of God inviting us to stand underneath this waterfall of the ways in which He connects us to Jesus and shows us Jesus and helps us to lean into Him more and more and more. I'll close with this. Think about, think about how Paul describes living under this waterfall of grace. How personal and life-giving this is. He says, I have been crucified with Christ earlier in Galatians. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live now, the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Walk by the Spirit. Keep in step by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. Live in the Spirit of Jesus, the Son of God, who loved us and gave Himself for us. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank You for the waterfalls of grace in which You pour out in abundance and not scarcity. Father, there are many different people in this room coming from many different places. And I pray that You would work specifically in each heart exactly the work that needs to be done. That You would be loved. That You would be trusted. That You would be turned to. And that You would be followed with all that we are. In the name of Your Son, given freely for us, we pray. Amen.